The Essex Serpent is a six-episode miniseries that premiered its first two episodes Friday, May 13th on Apple TV+. The show is based on the 2016 best-selling novel of the same name by author Sarah Perry. The story follows Cora Seaborn, played by Claire Danes, as a 19th century widow who moves to Essex to investigate the possible existence of a sea serpent. Welcome to today's episode where we discuss a different series every show. It's May 16th. Let's begin. It's 1895, the tail end of the Victorian era. Science has found a solid footing. Uh, moving pictures have just come about. 1895 also happens to be the year of the X-ray being discovered. Mm. The first automobile race happens in 1895. Uh, Frederick Douglass passes away. Babe Ruth is born. So that's the time period. But where are we? We're in Essex, England, right? Mm -hmm. Maritime, cloudy weather. It's windy. It's wet. It's rainy. The cast even said that it was super windy. And they filmed on location. Oh, did they also film in London? Yeah, yes, because London is where they start the series, right? right? Exactly. That's where Cora, the main character, begins her journey. Cora Seaborn. And at the very beginning of the episode, she loses her husband, Michael Seaborn. Um, he ends up not wanting to do a surgery that could possibly save his life. He's so just he's sick. Yeah, he's just wanting to die. He's already on, like, kind of death's door. And within, like, the first five minutes, he dies. But we see that Cora is actually happy about this because throughout the two episodes, we see flashbacks and we see that Michael was, like, abusing her and not mm -hmm. too nice to the kid. So it's actually, like, a good thing. And we also Does the see, kid have a name? Uh, Frankie. Yeah. And, but he, we barely see him throughout the two episodes. He's just kind of always following Cora around. All right. Um, but Luke Garrett, He's a doctor. He's the secondary main character of the TV show. He was the one that was... Not uh, Will Ransom? No. Will... Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, Tom Hiddleston. He's the priest. He comes along about... No, like... I mean, like, he's not the secondary character? No. Because I, I thought this was Claire Danes and Tom Hiddleston all the way. I can understand how the posters or maybe the marketing would make it seem like that, but I'd say that Tom Hiddleston is probably the third main character. At least for these first two episodes. Yeah, from what I've seen so far. Luke Garrett, though, he's probably my favorite uh, character out of the whole thing. And did you he, recognize who he played? Who he's played by? No, but I, his face looked very familiar. Frank Delane. Uh, he's Nick from Fear of the Walking Dead from the first four seasons. Oh, oh yeah, he was my favorite character there as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. He also asked to leave that show, too, because it was filmed in the States, I think, and he was originally from England. So it's interesting wow. how this is filmed in Essex and a lot of places in Essex, Malden, Tolsbury, Mercy Island, uh, Blackwater Estuary, which I think probably plays into the title of the first episode, which is called The Blackwater, yeah. reminded, me, reminded me of uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, this reminded me a lot of The Crucible, oh, um, interesting. especially at the very That's beginning. That's more interesting than you probably realize, because Essex had a big... Like, not Salem witch trials, because uh, that came around in the mid-1600s. Yeah. But in the mid-1500s, Essex was, like, the place not to be if you were a witch. <laughs> yeah, and that's why it partially reminded me of Midnight Mass as well. Not only yeah. because of the fact that Tom Hiddleston is a priest, but also you don't know if the town is evil or not. Like, you can't tell really at this point if the people there are, like, super evil, because you see them freak out a couple times throughout the first two episodes. What motivates her to move from London once her husband dies to Essex? Well, she says that she's like, I have free reign now. I don't have to be restricted. Um, and she sees a newspaper clipping of uh, the 
the Essex Serpent because people are believing that there is a huge giant snake that is taking people away. In fact, the first scene, we see this huge canvas shot. A sea snake, though. Yeah. One that lives in water. Yeah, and we only see it once in a dream sequence that she has at the very beginning of the second episode. But the first uh, scene of the first episode, we see Gracie and uh, Naomi. That's Gracie's friend. She, Gracie is in the water. She has, like, a cross, and I think that she's trying. She's talked about Samuel Dowsett, so she's either, like, feels like she's unpure because she had sex with him or something's going on. She's Sounds trying, like a lot of characters. She's trying to ask for forgiveness. Yeah, it does have them. Um, and then when she, like, suddenly this huge wave comes and Gracie is gone and Naomi is searching for her. And that's basically the plot of the first episode. Everyone's trying to figure out what happened to Gracie. Where is she? Is she dead? Is she moved? Is she gone? No one those knows. are all just citizens of Essex. Yeah. And this all happened before Cora even stepped foot in Essex. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so this is what the article is based on. But she has a dream about it. Well, she's just wanting to figure out because it really entices her to go there. She just wants to know what's going on. I'm trying to understand. Do we see the monster like in full form no, in we, her dream? Yeah, yeah. In full form in, in her dream. That's the second And what does it look though. like? It looks like a giant sea snake. It actually reminded me of the Super Smash Bros. Uh, one of the bosses that you have to face. Super Smash Bros. Brawl. I think you face it with Fox and Diddy Kong. But it looked exactly like that where it's big green and it like wraps around itself. The thing is, though, is that this show doesn't really rely on that. There's a giant snake embraced by wolves, and I'm just trying to, like, that's the only thing I can think of right now that looks like a giant it snake. Probably, yeah, it's, it's probably pretty similar, but that's not what the show relies on. It doesn't rely on, like, CGI or anything like that. If anything, it actually reminded me a little bit of The Handmaid's Tale because of it relies on the conversations that the characters are having. You're supposed to really, like, enjoy it. And, and a strong central female lead. Right, yeah. yeah. And I think, <laughs> uh, aside from that, I do, I do like Cora Seaborn, but Luke Garrett is probably my favorite character because... I think he's like the protagonist of the TV show. Really? He, he explains to Cora, he's like, I'm trying to, because he, he's like an acclaimed doctor at this point. He's able to save a lot of patients' lives, but he wants to do open heart surgery. No real doctor has been able to like kind of conquer it yet, but he is like out there really trying to do it with his uh, assistant, Spencer, who's also a doctor. And he's, and he's like, this was sort of an experimental age range for medicine because i know the nick came around around that time and they were always and there's a scene that reminds me of the nick too because he's bloody not bloody and it's not as dark as the nick's first um as the nick scene but he is like doing surgery in front of a ton of students in fact he even invites cora to come see um him like perform oh you mean like at the theater where they're all sitting above the stage and exactly yeah interesting his character though follows her to essex doesn't it yeah. And if he's just interested in doing medicine, how well, does that make him the protagonist? Well, that's where the love interest storyline comes in. Because Cora and Luke, he he's like, he gained very strong signs that they might like have something there. That's the, because again, she shows up to his like surgery. She's talking with him a lot. She's even writing to Do him. Do you feel like that's where the show is going to end up going? Like he's going to get with her or is it going to be this Will guy? I think it was... Well, I don't think it's going to be Will, because Will, I think, is married at this point. And he, he, he is married at this he's point. He's like from. He's like the from character, uh, the Michael character, where it's like he's trying to keep everyone in check and not make people worried about the serpent because he feels like it's just a rumor by this point. So he's like the leader of the town. Right, exactly. And th- there's questions as to if he knows what's going on. There's a couple times where whenever anyone brings up the serpent, he, his face like always kind of like flushes and he's like, the serpent isn't real. Like there's no way that Gracie died from a big snake in the ocean. Yeah, it's probably negative 
negative publicity that right. he doesn't like to just keep on exacerbating. Right. And he's not even wanting to hold like town meetings about it because mm-hmm. he's like, if I do that, then it's just going to confirm some type of like rumor. They're, they're going to think that it's so this is kind worry. of a departure from Tom Hiddleston's normal Loki character <laughs> that everybody's used to seeing. <laughs> Comple- him in. Yeah, completely. He sounds different. a lot more down to earth and gentle <laughs> well he's uh, yeah he's also the one who's like uh, there's no sign of fiction like loki the whole entire point is it's supposed to be outlandish things he's yeah, crazy. Tricksters. yeah and crazy. i have some theories about this because his character in loki is we see a lot of versions of him and we know about the multiverse <laughs> so, so you and, think this could be possible well we'll get there but let's first end this first episode the Blackwater. how does how does it go about what happens Right. What so, does she discover at so the end of the episode? Cora does run into Will about it. Like I said, 30 minutes through the episode, he's trying to get this goat out of the water. And he doesn't treat her too nicely. He's kind of mad, even though she's helping him. Because she's like, do you know about the serpent? Because that's the one thing she wants to do. She wants to interview everyone in Essex. Just get, to, get a general consensus of it. Because it is becoming a, like a big developing story. So much so that, again, it's in the newspaper. Yeah. Um, but what, Does she have any plans for if she actually finds or stumbles upon it? No, I, but like she just wants to know about it. It's just it. the journey. Yeah, because people yeah. like tourists are actually like going to this place that's even said throughout the episode. And, and when, that's probably what Will hates is like, I yeah, want to make money he, for the he, town, he but not like it. this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, Will doesn't treat her too nicely. They kind of part ways. And what then, happens to the sheep, though? Or the they, were, they were able to get out. Okay, so it just runs off. <laughs> that was, no, no, no. He, he he holds that. I think he has like a farm where he's returning it to someone. But but that's really not important. She's <laughs> she's going. I really want to know about the sheep. <laughs> Surprisingly, I think no, that's no, all okay, she gets. But yeah. So Cora is going around. She's still interviewing people, and then she stumbles across Will's home. Will isn't home by that point, but she's like talking to his wife. Yeah, he has like a thousand kids. When yeah. I was writing down the cast, it just seemed like everybody had his last name. Right. Exactly. And then, that's, but did you recognize his wife? No, I didn't. Clemson Posey, uh, she played Fleur Delacour from the Harry Potter films. That was the person in the fourth movie. She's one from one of the rival schools. I know. Oh, the fourth one was the only one I haven't seen. So. Okay, all right. <laughs> Anyways, though, yeah, Will comes back, and then they run into each other again. And he, he's like, I'm sorry for the way I was treating you, you know. Is this to save face in front of his wife? He doesn't want to see I also think that he, in front of her? I also think that he felt bad, because I do think that Will, in the end, is also, like, a, a really good person, even okay. though there's, again, it could be, like, one of those Hamish Linklater things where it's, like, maybe he starts out that way, but throughout the time you realize maybe not that he's a vampire well just evil but the thing is is that will is like i want you to come to service tomorrow cora to be able to see kind of what the town is like and as this service is going on um that's when suddenly someone like is like oh my god i think that i hear grace or something going on they find her cross in the ocean Huh. That's so they all go rushing out of the right. church. So the guy, so the guy runs in the church. He's like, "Oh my god, I, I found the cross in the ocean!" And then everyone turns and starts running out. They have like dogs. They're how many? How many grace. people are in this town? Would you say probably like 20, 30? Yeah, 30, 30, 40. So not, a, like not a big place. Yeah, that's exactly also kind of why it reminds me of Midnight Mass. The people that we follow in that show are, are basically the main people in that town. Yeah, and the dreary atmosphere. Right, exactly. Well, and it's been made about the atmosphere in the show. And then that's when Naomi, who, who we saw earlier on in the episode, was like sacrificing birds, being like, bring Gracie back because that was her friend. She finds Grace. Grace is dead. She's, she's gone. And with I, like bite marks on her? Or? She, yeah, her face was like teared up. It was it by was fish bad. or by we a don't sea know. monster. That's that's the whole entire question. So that, in episode two, do we find out? The episode two is actually called Matters of the Heart. So that doesn't 
You know, you would think... Seem to track with... Yeah, you would think in a... Finding a, a monster. In episode one, it reminded me of Outer Range also because of all the theories that you can come up with and possibly if the, if the serpent was real or not. But episode two takes a step back from that. Actually, I think the most interesting storyline from that is when... Um, Luke, who, like we said in the first episode, he does meet up with Korra being like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you're going after this serpent thing. But he's trying to convince her to go back to London. And she's like, no, I need to stay here. I want to know so exactly he, what's going on. So he made the journey all the way to Essex just to convince this girl to come back with him? Well, he he did at first to be nice and like mm -hmm. and, and kind of like promote her idea. Because when she first said that she was going to Essex, he was like, that's not a good idea. Like, got there's it, no serpent. It, Anyways, though, he goes back to London at the very beginning of the episode. He obviously has to do the open heart surgery on someone who's about to die because he's not sure if it's going to work anyways. Yeah. Um, but he ends up actually being able to make it work so we know now that he can actually do the open heart surgery i think that luke had probably the most clear-cut storyline in the first two episodes because it was like that the one thing he wanted to do was the surgery and was actually able to make it complete so mission complete check mark that's that's kind of where he's like his storyline leaves off for the second episode and that's right. what i mean by it takes a back seat because cora and um will cora's gaining a little bit of hate because she's now deciding to move to essex for a little bit of time just to figure out what's going on who's giving her hate everyone around because okay, they believe so they're trying now. to bully her they're, it's kind of like an ogre community right. where it's pitchforks and stuff. people are like oh now that Cora's arrived and gracie ends up dead that's probably she's probably like a bad omen or something right will is like uh hey i i'm your friend we can figure out what's trying to go on because once they figure out gracie's there he's like yeah maybe there is more to this than we realize does oh. he think it's a murderer does he think it's a person possibly he never brings up that possibility yet are there cops around because this seems like he's a pastor leading think, the whole entire thing. You would think, like, I don't think we've seen a cop yet. There's <laughs> not one constable or... Not, not, in, not in Essex. But again, Essex is like a very... The population is very low. Yeah. Um, but really, the only thing that interesting that happens in the second episode is by the very end, Cora decides to go to a classroom because she's been wanting to for these um, first two episodes, kind of just to speak to the students. And she see, wants to be a teacher too? Yeah, it, it's, it's hinted at. So she goes there and she starts talking and suddenly the serpent is brought up, obviously, because it's all everyone is talking about in the town. Is it like that one kid who's the jokester mm -hmm. in the class? Like, hey! It, it wasn't a jokester, but it was one kid. And when that one kid spoke, that's when all the students go crazy because Cora is like, well, I'm not saying that there's not a serpent. And then that's when the kids, it was almost like a battle royale just without the fighting and blood because they were like screaming at each other and everyone was going incredibly mad. And suddenly this like ink, this like vase that was holding a ton of ink falls over and everyone like turns to the back and they think that somehow Naomi, Grace's friend or Gracie's friend, uh, has powers. And, oh, like, and, yeah, and, and telekinetic ability. Yeah, and she and Gracie, it looked like she was having a stroke, but she was still standing up. Oh, sorry, Naomi. She it looked like she was having a stroke, but she was still standing up. And Cora like runs over and is like, "Are you okay?" And then suddenly, this you realize the students might be right because a ton of the students start falling over. It was a really hectic scene, but it leads to the idea that maybe not, people in the town have like these abilities as well. Again, not like, just Naomi, right? No, there might be more people as well. So this is like a possibly supernatural distinction. Mm -hmm. So Apple likes to do this formula with a lot of their shows where they cast just a small group of people but they have a very high budget for it. They shoot on location, and it's usually a mystery. From Shining Girls, but only Gray, Slow Horses, Suspicion, Defending Jacob, Mosquito Coast. I honestly don't remember too much about Mosquito Coast, but that was a mystery, right? Yeah, and I really enjoyed it, I remember. Does this kind of just fall into that camp where, again, we're supposed to not have this unknown entity that for six episodes we're going to 
possibly find out is real or fake. Exactly. It, it falls into that thing. Exactly. So does that take away at this point, considering how many shows they're coming out yeah. with that same sort of formula? I was thinking to myself, and I know that Apple doesn't usually do this, but it would, you said it was going to be six episodes. It probably would have been smarter just to release them all at the same time because I didn't... Like think, you would have binged it. Yeah. You would have gotten really into it and just continued through right. it. Right. Th- for me, it was a mixed bag because the main storylines, like the Essex Serpent, when they're trying to, like when they're interviewing people and you even see it and then you see Gracie taken away by it and like her dead like that that all was interesting to watch I like Luke Garrett's storyline like I said but the but there were some weird side storylines that I didn't understand for example Martha she's the serpent to Cora she even goes with her to Essex in the first episode she has this weird like backstory where she's a socialist but like the only other scene we get of that is she's like writing to the governor of London or like uh, the town that she's in and she's talking about how like people should be getting better houses and how they shouldn't be living like that. But it was just such a strange thing to include in a story. It maybe, felt like- maybe it felt better in the book because apparently uh, Tom Hiddleston said that they followed the book pretty closely, even it, in this adaptation. It felt like here it was just to pad the time. Huh. Like, and they even, okay. and there's even another storyline that happens in episode two, the person that they saved that they did the open heart surgery on, they like visit, um, specifically Martha and Spencer, so the servant and the assistant, they visit them and they're just trying to figure out like what their living condition is like. That's actually what prompts Martha to write to the governor of the town. So it's like a post-op uh, yeah. check in on this person who is the first person to survive. Right. Yeah. Spencer even like offers to pay rent since he since um, the person who got the surgery was like part of this like a uh, test trial test trial. Exactly. And then we see the sister of the brother get mad. It was so that that whole storyline. Yeah, none of what you off. just said really sounds that interesting. Yeah. Like I wouldn't care too much. So about that's that so story. that's what I'm saying when it's like those side storylines and even the flashbacks. I just want to hear about this sea serpent. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And what, even, do you have any theories on it, though? I don't. I don't. I hope that it's alive. I hope that it's real. I want to actually see it like come up from the ocean and like rise. Do you want it to talk? No. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 nothing, nothing that crazy. Overall, I'd say the show is like a 7 out of 10. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. A 7 out of 10 is pretty high. I would... The thing is... I'm saying that for potential because if I hear that this show, like especially by the ending, gets better, I will definitely check it out. But if, if I hear it's just kind of like one, so of you'll these check other- the review on the third episode before you jump in, on right? It, right. Yeah. Okay. Before you invest anymore, you're kind of along the same opinion that Decider is. It said stream it, but like trepidatiously, they mm-hmm. were like, and 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 as far as the IMDb rating for it, it's got a six point eight, so close to a seven. There's nothing like super special about it, but I have some crazy theories that I want to hear <laughs> whether or not they'll work. Having not seen the show at all, okay. they're just coming out of nowhere. Right. But do you happen to remember our Ragnarok uh, podcast from a really long time ago? I remember. We it. talked about the Norse mythology of these Greek gods. Right. We went Sorry, really into these it. Norse gods. Uh, you had Loki. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we talked about it again, I think, on the Loki podcast. But one of Loki's kids in the North mythology, which, if you remember, is more like the destruction of the world and then rebirth of the world because Loki actually brings about the destruction right, of the yeah, entire I remember planet you saying that, yeah. by his kids. And then he, like, just gets reborn every time and they fight it out in different versions of themselves. It's weird. But one of his sons is the giant world-eating sea serpent. So what's the possibility <laughs> that we find out that this is just another multiverse version of Tom Hiddleston's Loki character where the sea snake that he's so afraid that anybody finds out about is actually his son? I don't think... What if that's his son? I mean, that would be crazy. I don't What think- if this also follows the shape of water thing where she falls in love with 
There, no, Loki's no, son. no. This this serpent is huge and it's intimidating. There's not going to be any like romantic relationship that you see going on. Okay, but how about the first half part with the Loki son? How that how, no, that that is interesting. Okay. But I don't think that Apple TV is ever going to get like the rights to any type of Marvel thing. Huh. So you're saying that would that still like be canon? But they just never mentioned the fact that this is a multiverse <laughs> Marvel sort of. No, it, it, that does sort of throw a wrench in things. The other possibility I was thinking of is like if you think about we like to look at the oceans for our horror action series yes. movies right yeah a lot of kaiju movies are out there with king kong godzilla Pacific the monster verse yeah what if this is like the first monster <laughs> i so a lot of these theories are just kind of like what if these were tied in with different films or tv shows what well, yeah yeah that's basically what i'm getting at i know it's based off a novel it's based off a novel by sarah perry who was born in Essex, actually has, uh, her family is very devout Christian. So mm. having these overall themes of religion and location where this takes place makes a lot of sense. She she knows what she's writing about. I also thought it reminded me of the Gilded Age. I really like the costumes that they use. And for that time, you know, the late 1800s, I thought that the, that like, it was cool to see the cinematography really work. Are well. the costumes crazier than the Gilded Age? They weren't as exaggerated. Like the Gilded Age focused on like the rich class, so you were huge gowns. Yeah, so you saw those gowns and, and crazy suits. Here, it's a little more toned down, but I thought that yeah, they still represented it well. Mm -hmm. The the only other thing I was going to say about Sarah Perry, because we'll go back to uh, not only the costumes but also how Claire Danes did, because she's the main character. Mm -hmm. Sarah Perry's publishing company, because this was her second book, has actually uh, published all three of hers. It's funny. Her publishing company is named Serpent's Tail. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with any of this. It just happens to have that name. Um, ah, so and it also expected this. The sales target on the book in 2016 was like 5,000 hardback copies, and it ended up selling over 360,000. Oh, okay, so, so like a runaway hit. Yeah, and it was apparently word by mouth. Like it wasn't publicized overly until it really got some traction yeah. just by people liking it. Right. Yeah, and people compare it a lot to Dickensian type of themes even though dickens was i think like 50 years earlier than this yeah um, i would say that the show also um all the shots in it felt like i was at times watching an independent horror movie which in this case was good like it, it obviously kind of was a little cheap. was it eerie yeah yeah especially the setting of essex where they are just this is the fact that it's so spread out and there's very few people the and like the mystery behind a lot of the residents it, yeah it's supposed to be like that because what you're talking about with the heart surgery, I think the reason they're going so hard on that is because they want to juxtapose the idea of this fanciful um, sort of escapism of people believing in something that is unknown, an unknown quantity versus all the scientific breakthrough yeah. that we've come about. I, no, I and agree. so it's like they all trust the science now, but people still want to kind of veer towards like what could possibly be the monster the alice in one alice in wonderland right yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it makes sense here because again there's so many people in london there's a ton of extras whenever you see those scenes and mm -hmm. i say it before essex is very spread out so, and how yeah. did claire danes do so i think that the acting in it is is fine there wasn't actually any but, like from her homeland experience does this seem like a very different character i'd assume so nah, i mean She's supposed to. So originally, Kira Knightley was supposed to be that character, and then she dropped out because oh. of uh, uh, COVID stuff. So then Claire Danes took over, and a lot of people have um, complimented her performance because of 
her experience with playing sort of a eccentric, crazy character <laughs> in a different TV show. So yeah, no, she's 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 definitely not as um, crazy as she is in Homeland. But I think that her acting's good. But there wasn't one performance that I was ever like, oh, you, you know, the, they're they're just like a treat to watch. I just thought that it was all for the most part fine. And if you had to criticize, do you think that she's too contemporary a character? She represents too much of the ideals that we would be seeing today as opposed to something you see in the 1800s. I think you're always going to kind of come across that problem, but I, I, it wasn't something that spoke out to me when I was watching it. I, I think I'm surprised mostly by you saying that Tom Hiddleston's character wasn't more a part of these first two episodes. It I, feels like Will Ransom is supposed to be like just as important in parts as Cora's oh, character. Well, I mean, he's there. It makes sense why he's like built in the cast. It's just he's not. Yeah, he's not the main character. And that there's no sparks between them because the way I was reading it, it's supposed to be a love triangle. Sort mm. of. No, well, not yet, I guess. All right. Well, that's something to look forward to. Thanks for listening. Unless you have anything else you want no, to talk about. about it. Those were our two episode reviews. We'll see you on the next podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.